Lord, guide our time that you might be exalted. I thank you for all of the servants from the people who've been planning the songs, like my wife, Rebecca, and Pastor Chris, to the team that's been practicing, to our sound and audio people who've been working hard, our brother Kyle who leads us in that area, Lord. Just so many servants that want to see your name lifted. May we do that now. Calm our minds and our hearts. And even with beautiful children in our lap, help us be able to focus. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church family, you know we got kids today and they are going to be kicking it in here. But I still want to ask you to try to fight to be present as much as you can. Children are beautiful. Don't worry about them unless they start jumping on the seats, all right? That's when you got to calm them down. Speaking of kids, I, had, uh, I have five. Two of my children did ballet uh, some years ago, and they would do it downtown at the, um, man, I can't remember, what was that called, Beta Opera House. Uh, and so we would go downtown often to go to the opera house so that they could practice. And going to the opera house, you pass another building that's almost like cat a corner across the street. You pass the YMCA. Now, the YMCA is where you work out, you get physical, you can get in shape, but I wasn't doing that. I was going past the YMCA (laughs) to go to ballet. I was in the vicinity, I was in the space, I was downtown, I could have hit it with a rock, but all the benefits of the YMCA I didn't get to experience because I didn't fully go into it. Family, I think that that is some of the experience for some of us in the room today as it relates to evangelism. We have been talking about this topic of evangelism for the past year. And last year, we talked about another topic. So if I was to ask you right now, in 2022... How many people did you share your faith with? Don't answer, but put that number in your head. How many people did you share your faith with in 2022? The elders have committed 2023 to you and I growing in evangelism. Every Sunday, we're doing a sermon about evangelism. And now let me ask you a question. In 2023, how many people have you shared your faith with? You got your 2022 number, a whole year of sermons, well, nine months of sermons, and now 2023. I want to say, I think there's this word that would hinder us actually experiencing what God would have for us this year in 2023 as we've been focusing on evangelism, talking about it, trying to equip the body with it. I think there's this one word that we've yet to tackle that I think is probably the biggest hindrance. It's the word fear. Being afraid. I think it's an obstacle that is at varying levels, but somehow with the phrase or term or word evangelism, that obstacle creeps up in our paths. So today, we want to talk a little bit about that so that we can see God give us the experience we long for, not so that you can have numbers, 
I didn't ask for your number. It's internal, and I wanted to stay there. I don't want you to be able to boast tomorrow. Oh, I'm free now. I shared my faith with 100 people. How many did you share your faith with? You know, like th- th- that, that's not what this is about. There's no guilt. There's no punishment. There's no consequence. Kind of. It won't be one for me because the Holy Spirit convicts us and leads us. And what I want is for our body, what we want as elders is for our body to move based on conviction. And so would you grab your Bibles? Would you all that are at home grab your your electronic Bibles or whatever you have? We're going to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. Because we do want your number in 2023 to be greater than your number in 2022 after all of this investment, after all of the listening and submitting to gospel-centered teaching that you've been doing. I'm grateful for even while I was gone in August, Pastor Kay was bringing the word and we had some people come in town to encourage us in sharing our faith. Chapter 10, can somebody tell me that page number? 1386 in our Pew Bibles. Starting with verse 1. And Shai, could you grab me another one of those, please? Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who's called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. This is his crew. This is the first crew of people. This is his, his homies. This is his team. This is the people he's invested in. And this crew is about as diverse as they come. You've got some on one side of the political aisle, some on the others, some with a little bit more affluence, some poor, some working class, some blue collar. You got it all mixed up. And this is who Jesus chooses to invest in. Continue with me in verse five. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, and drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. He sent out the 12 with some instructions. Sent out. Um, You and I know that certain people have roles. Their role allows for there to be a, a, a true blessing in your life. You some, see, y'all is all used to the day where you get a direct deposit. There was a day, though, when you got paid and it was actually a check. It was a piece of paper. And some places that you worked didn't just give them out at the spot. They actually mailed you your check in the mail. Now, you might have got on some people's nerves. 
the one person in that area of nerves you didn't get on was the postman or the mail lady because you didn't want your check accidentally showing up late. You see, their posture, their willingness to execute, to transport the mail, to send out what you needed was a blessing to you. See, we, we get it when we, think of, when we think of a role, when we think of somebody's job. What about thinking of it as your posture? God sends these 12 apostles out, and just as he sent them, my sister, hallelujah, uh, just as he sent them, he is sending us. We are no different. But sometimes we're scared to ask the question, Lord, where are you sending me? Because he may just, thank you, he may just say, you're supposed to go somewhere you don't want to. We know about Jonah not wanting to go to the Ninevites. We know about all these different Bible characters. But sometimes I love the, the, the way the, the Bible gives you the background so you can understand and relate to it. I've had people, I'm not supposed to say it because I'm a pastor, but I've, I've had people that I didn't like. And, and, and if you can be real with me, when, when, when it comes time to be like, okay, Lord, wh where, who do you want me to go? I'm like, okay, Lord, I know you don't want me to talk to him and him. So where over here with the people I like do you want me to go? Like, like, like our version of being sent has some parameters that we give God. And he looks at the disciples and he says, no, I'm going to send y'all out, and, and it's not about to be where you want to go. And that's true for us today. Like, there's a, there's a field, there's an environment, there's some people. We were, um, 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 my sister Elise one day was just like, hey, pastor, after service, she was like, hey, like, like I just, I know the beauty of communion and, and, and how we get a chance to, to connect intimately with the Lord. But there's also this aspect where we're supposed to like examine our hearts before we take communion, that even if we've wrongfully sinned somebody, if we've broken the relationship, we're supposed to like try to go mend that before we come to Jesus. Not saying that we can be perfect, but there's something that we're, we're supposed to try to restore relationships. Like, like, like when relationships are broken and hurting and jacked up, is that the first place you're like, well, Lord, might you send me into that relationship? See, some of us are sent into places that we don't want to go. And I like that, that there was no lottery where the disciples got to be like, okay, 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 my cousin and them are over here. Jesus, can I be sent to them? Jesus is the one that tells us where we shall go. But on this, he says, okay, check out these instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. He he. he it sounds like, like he prefers Israel over Gentiles. That's not the case at all. 
What's happening here is he's actually doing something for their good. He's saying, wait a minute, there is something, this concept called low-hanging fruit. That's the, and I've never been a farmer. I didn't get it until I started studying the Bible, where, where a tree blossoms with food, and, and what's on the leaves of the tree start to drop and hang low, and now the heaviest apple, you can just go boop, boop. Give me another one. <laughs> Why would you, as an individual, instead of grabbing the piece of fruit that's right there in front of you, say, no, let me skip all of them, get a ladder, and try to go up there? You grab the low-hanging fruit first. The people of Israel had an understanding of a Messiah. They had an understanding of a new life in God. They were expecting there to be a return. And so he says, I'm sending y'all with them first, because they kind of get it. We know, unfortunately, they reject, which sets up Paul to be a missionary to the Gentiles. So, so the Gentiles get taken care of, but he's trying to send them to a people that's going to be a bit easier, even though it looks like it's going to be more difficult. Look with me in verse 7. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you've received Freely give. He's basically saying, I want you to help usher in the kingdom of heaven. I want you to help usher in a new experience. I want you to allow there to be this, this new reality that people get to have right now. My wife was telling me about some, some wars and some battles that are taking place right now with different countries. I'm started looking up stuff. They say right now there are 18 countries in war. Nine of them are in civil war where their own people are fighting one another. Two of them are in war based on drugs. Could you imagine there be no war period? Like none. Like no fighting. No conflict. It's tough for us to imagine because we've seen it for all of our lives. And, and, and what Jesus is saying, you are going to help usher in a new reality. You're bringing in a kingdom reality. Continue with me in verse 9. Because he's sending them, but now he's also stripping them. He says, verse 9. Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts, no bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Truly, I tell you, it will be more honorable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. Than for that town. There's a shift where he's saying that there's going to be some people along the way that will reject you. It's okay. Keep it moving, son. Keep it moving. And, and sometimes we have a, a, a warped view that because God is with us, it's going to be all right. And it's going to be a joyous experience. And he's saying, no, you might get some doors closed in your face. 
You might get some people who reject you. But that's okay. Keep, keep it moving. Why? Because you're not called to judge them. You're not called to say, oh, well, you know what? Like, let me, let me find a way to make it easy for you. You're, you're called to present them with an opportunity to know Christ. And then if they choose, choose not to, it's okay. It's okay. Maybe God will lead you to circle back in another way. Maybe God will lead somebody else to come along. There's a variety of ways. But you're called to present the Lord. But they will someday have to atone, have, have to answer. There's going to be judgment someday for every person. Every person is going to have to sit before Jesus and he's going to say, what did you do with the beauty of who I was in the life that I gave you? And we're going to have to answer. He's saying, so don't worry. Judgment will happen. It may not happen now. It might look like they're prospering. It might look like they're, they're throwing shame on your name, shade on your name. They're, they're making you look stupid. It's okay. It's okay. I win in the end. You keep it moving. Continue with me, verse 16. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. You know, it was a, a snake that like fooled Adam and Eve. So the snake in their time was seen as an animal that was actually quite wise. Then I started reading up about wolves because, you know, I don't know nothing about wolves, except that like in this last year, we saw some type of wolf or coyote running through the through the hood, y'all. I, I love the Eggers, but that farm did it. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> Them are peoples. Yeah, he didn't say they've been here, so ain't no thing. Look, so, 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 I was reading, it said wolves are nocturnal predators. During the winter, you are rarely going to see one hunting because they hunt in a pack. They will sometimes go traveling tens of kilometers in order to hunt down a prey. If, if you were in this time where you walk from place to place, where there's no streets, there's no buses, there's no cars, when you walk, you walked with a, maybe a stick at night, and there were predators all around, and he's saying to you, don't worry, you're going to be okay. <laughs> What'd you say, Jesus? You putting me with the wolves, and you don't want me to take nothing. <laughs> he's, he's setting up the scenario by which we are reminded that evangelism, the sharing of our faith, is not dependent upon us. Actually, there is a spiritual realm that wants to work against us. And the only way it's going to be successful is if God's got you. As if God's got you. From day one, he's trying to instill in them and in us that our fear need not have the foundation that we've allowed it to establish because God's got us. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Look with me in verse 17. Be on your guard. 
you will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. And on my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Speaking through you. I... um. I, I, I remember something my, my mom and my dad used to say. I used to think they was lying, but it, but it actually paid out. It, it worked out the way they say it. So if I did something wrong, I'm, I'm, I'm kicking it with all the homies, and, 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 a, and a window gets broken. We, we come back because some of the grandmamas in the, in the community got the nerve to tell on us. We come back, and now mom says to me, or dad says to me, all right, listen, tell me the truth, no matter what, and that's going to be better for you. Tell you the truth, <laughs> and that's going to be better? <laughs> but, it, but, it, but it turns out that it, that it was always better for me when I was honest, and they knew everything. And they were able to know everything. Why? Because I didn't know that sometimes my mother was planning how to protect me. Okay, okay, wait. So a window was broken. Did you throw the rock or did somebody else and you were just with them? Because how I handle this mama that's tripping depends on if you broke the window or not. You see, sometimes you don't know God is in the midst of protecting you even when you are in your wrong. So it's better to just be all the way right with it. God, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know what to say. They are coming at me. This is crazy. Would you give me the integrity? Would you give me the love? Would you give me the dependence upon you to be totally submitted to your voice? I'm going to say what you tell me to say, even if it seems like it's going to hurt me right now. And God's like, I got you. I got you. See, that's what he wants from us, not us trying to predict and plan and strategize, which all of that is beautiful. But ultimately, he wants submission unto his spirit, which will guide our tongues and guide our situations because he always wants to care for and protect you. He has our good in mind. Come on, y'all. Verse 21. It's going to be a reality where brother will betray brother to death and father, his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. Truly, I tell you, you will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. The student is not above the teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for students to be like their teachers and the servants like their masters. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more the members of his household? He's basically saying, look, there is a, a thing that divides people. For some households, you see the unhealth of it when trauma comes. Let somebody pass away and watch how families start fighting over money. 
You know, you see the ugliness come out of people doing certain things. And what Jesus is saying is, is I'm going to be the determining factor that will make people fight. Am I Lord? Some people will be like, yes. And some will say, you believe that he's Lord? How dare you? You're not welcome in this home anymore. That there will be a decision that you have to make. And at some point, if I went through it as your Lord and Savior, what makes you immune to it? You see, I'm, I'm like, like, like I, I, I was a silly kid growing up. I used to do stuff that didn't make sense. Like, like my mom would constantly have to buy me bikes because I'm trying to jump ramps and stuff, do the little trick, and then forget that there's a bush right there. You know, just like silly stuff. Like, like I broke stuff all the time. But, but I'm looking at something that seems dangerous, and, and I push on through it anyway. Why? Because there's a hope for something greater. There's a hope for everybody celebrating me when I land the trick. There's a hope that they're going to be like, oh, he was the first one. Show us how to do it. No, no, no. Chill out, chill out, dog. You know, like, like there, there was that ego present. But, but what happens when, when we trust God in the middle of a bad situation just to show him how much we love him? And the bad situation sometimes is talking to somebody about Jesus. I'm saying that because there was a few that I landed well. There was a lot of face plants uh, scrape ups, broken bikes, and sometimes that's going to be the case with evangelism. Some of our fears will become true. I know it's not the way we're wired. We're wired to have a fear and try to avoid it. But some of our fears will come true. Some people you talk with about the Lord will think of you differently. I know you don't want that. I know I don't want that. I've worked hard to invest in some of these relationships, some of these friends, some of these family, some of these positions. Some of the, they, they let me in because of some of the ways that I don't bring Jesus. And if I do, I won't be let in anymore. Yep. Is it worth it? Is he worth it? Is there a persecution that we might experience today that's a little bit different than what they went through, but would it be worth it? If it happened to our Lord and Savior, it just might happen to us. Listen to verse 26. And I know this is a little bit different. Y'all was planning on like, oh, pastor's going to say like, here's the three easy steps to avoid fear. Sorry. I got We have to be real. Sometimes walking with Jesus is a challenge. Sometimes walking with Jesus stretches you. Sometimes walking with Jesus has you scared and fearful. And yet he says, I'm going to give you courage. Courage doesn't necessarily eliminate the fear, but it gives you the ability to push through it. Verse 26. So. Even though you're being persecuted, even though some people are going to call your names, even though members of the household may play you, so do not be afraid of them. For there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What I whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Here's the beauty, right? 
You, you and I get a chance to do what Jesus did, what John did. We get a chance to, to say the beautiful things of God. Now, some of y'all issue is knowledge. You think you can't talk to Jesus until you learn enough about the Bible. But what if somebody asks me a question? I want to be, be ready for them. I, I got to be. Listen. You will never have enough knowledge. It, 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 thankfully, it doesn't work like that, right? That, that once you get memorized enough, now you're set to handle any question somebody will bring. Like, like there's, why? Because the entire equation, though studying is important, though learning is important, but the whole equation is built on the Holy Spirit working through you. So day one, when you get impacted, you can tell somebody else about that, what that experience was like. So even here, when he's talking about don't be afraid and we can tell people, I don't expect you to talk to somebody the way Pastor K does. Pastor K spent a lot of money to go to school to learn about God. The way he breaks down stuff might be up here. The way you break down stuff might be up here, might be over here. We all are different. But that's the beauty of it. Can't nobody talk about God the way you can can't nobody explain what he has done for you the way you can? And we are worried about somebody else and the way they package it and do it. No, no, no. God has uniquely made you beautiful and done something in your life to be able to tell somebody else. In this room, there have been people who I have cried with who I have journeyed with, who have suffered, and in the midst of that suffering, we didn't understand why they was going through it. And a year, two years later, sometimes five years later, they are talking with somebody going through something similar. Now, they didn't go through it just for that person. Don't, we don't make up stuff like that. You had your loss just to, no, no, no. But God still uses the pain that they went through to walk with and help somebody else who's now in that circumstance. We see God use all things for his glory. And so when, if, if, if that is the case, then, then why not be willing to share? Why not be willing to go there? Why not be willing to make it clear that I'm not just comforting you with kindness, I'm comforting you with the Lord's love? That's the subtle difference of evangelism. I got to tell you this component about Jesus because I want it to be clear what these boundaries are. I only can get you so far. God is going to get you the whole way. I've been baffled lately as I hear certain language going on and, you know, Facebook feeds you stuff. I don't know why they start feeding me this, but there was a couple of different, a couple of different, uh, I don't know what you call them, algorithms that sent me some messages where people were talking about, like, like work husbands and work wives. I'm like, what, what? Okay, let me. What is a work work wife? Okay, let me let me see. Cause back in the day, let me just see. So then they say that okay, this is where like there's a a a, a friendship that runs deep, where there's a level of uh, confi- confidential components, 
where a person from the opposite sex just feels like safe and heard and encouraged. And it's, and it's more than just a friendship, but there's no physical intimacy. What? Like, 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 like we can be cool, we can go kick it, but at some point I got to let you know, like, like I'm a husband and that term means some stuff. It, it, ha- it, it means some stuff that I won't do. I'm wife and it means some stuff that won't happen. So no, we ain't going to lunch by ourselves with nobody else and like taking a walk by the river. Why? Because, because when I say husband, there are some things that come along with that. There's some, a communication of a commitment. When I say wife, there's, a, there's an understanding of there's a block on the level of intimacy that you can have as a friend. You can't go deeper. That term husband or wife means something. What does the term Christian mean? See, sometimes people will see the kindness of your actions and it seem all good. But then when we leave them there, they don't know what is this defined in? What is the structure? What is the commitment that you have that keeps having you go the extra mile to show me love? It is Jesus. It is being a Christian. So evangelize. I'm not saying you got to be a a porch preacher, that you got to go out and tell, shout from the mountaintops, though some of you that's the case. What I am saying is sometimes you're going to be misunderstood. Sometimes people may attack you. Sometimes even your pain may be used to glorify God. In those moments, tell them why you do it. Tell them who was the one that got you through Tell them who is the one that's getting you through the day. Oh, you think this looks good? I'm a basket case up here if it were not for Christ. I'm a basket case with Christ, let me tell you. But I got him. This last part is one to, to challenge us a little bit. And Jesus doesn't oftentimes speak with these type of words, but, but he wants to let us know that the stakes are high. Verse 32, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father. So you have situations where where people are being uh, arrested and beaten. And they are saying, renounce your faith. And he's letting them know, I know you going through it. I know you feeling it. I know the pain that is the worst is real. Don't give up. And though that's not our reality today, though it is some of the reality of our sisters and brothers in other countries, in other places, in in persecuted environments, though that is not our reality, you can still feel that pressure of, do I let them know I'm a Christian? You know when the spirit might be leading you to take it to the next level. And then you don't. Don't get comfortable in that. Don't get comfortable not listening to the spirit. Don't get comfortable leaving that last part off. Let's be clear. Don't get comfortable rejecting God. 
I won't be a faithful pastor if I, if I don't tell you the love side of God, the celebration side of God, the steadfast side of God, but also the anger side of God, who is a holy anger that says, all that I've done for you, I've created you to bear my image. I love you so much, and you're going to turn your back on me? For, for Chico? That's what it amounts to. And so we want an eternal reward. We want God to look at us and say, well done. Well done. Well done. Look with me in Psalm chapter 147. It gives us that fuller picture of reverence. It helps us see God's love for us, even in the midst of him telling us, don't reject me. Psalm 147, verse 10. What page is that for my family? Psalm 147, verse 10 and 11. Page 900. says this. It says, his pleasure is not in the strength of the horse, nor his delight in the legs of the warrior. The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. Family, I know fear is real. I know fear is a component that we experience every day. And they say there's three different types of fear. There's, uh, let me see if I can say it right. There is uh, rational fear, which occurs when uh, someone's like pulling out a knife or uh, when there's like you walk in on a on a high building and, and death is close like that is rational that you would be scared in that environment. There's primal fear, things that like are innate within us over the years of humans evolving, like like spiders or snakes, where you realize over time, oh, snakes kill. So we have something in us that has us somewhat dis a disposition towards certain animals that could take our lives. But the last fear is irrational fear. It's, it, it's a fear that may have a little bit of triggering truth, but that it doesn't make logical sense. It's, it's that type of fear that, that like horror movies play out on. They can't put a knife to your neck. But what they can do is make an environment, even though you're at home eating butter popcorn, they can make an environment where your mind is triggered to somehow irrationally getting scared, even though you are totally safe. You see, it's the, it's the irrational fear that the wolves of Satan play on. Because God is saying, you're safe. You're with me. You're good. You're with me. You're protected. You're with me. I've got a hedge around you. You're with me. But all the lies lead us to irrationally set up walls of fear and hinder us from moving in the way God would want us to. But what he wants to use to break through that fear is not just power, might, and strength. That's why he, he, he used this example of he doesn't delight in the legs of a warrior, right? Any, any person can have their own strength get them up. 
the strength of a horse? No, no, no. What allows us to persevere is the hope we have in God's unfailing love. That's it. That's it. And that's enough. God's unfailing love is the hope that gets us through some crazy situations, but that is all we need in the face of fear. May we put on God's unfailing love. Church family, let's keep walking together. I want you to thrive in Christ. Do I want you to share your faith with people? Yeah. But not just for the numbers sake so we can track. I want you to be who God's created you to be. And I know that a beautiful story dwells in you about God. And I want the world to be able to hear it. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your help, for your guidance, for your truth. May your unfailing love be all that we need. And may we depend on that and it give us courage to push through fear. May folks know, (laughs) not just of our deeds, but also the God who gives us strength to perform the deeds. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.